Welcome to Integrative Medicine Solutions with Forum Health, the podcast. Our nationwide network of integrative and functional medicine providers believe in a new standard of healthcare, one that creates optimal health by focusing on partnering with you, understanding your needs, learning about your unique health history, and getting to the root cause of your concerns. Using advanced testing, emerging therapies, and the latest technology, Forum Health providers are at the forefront of integrative and functional health care for all. Your journey to better health starts here. I've got some kind of alarming stats that I want to share with you regarding um, American Heart Month and what, why that even exists, why there needs to be so much awareness um, because of cardiovascular disease. And then I'm also going to be talking to you about the top seven foods for heart health and some ways to implement uh, healthier heart foods as well as foods we want to avoid entirely when it comes to keeping our ticker ticking. Okay, so this month of awareness exists because 2,200 Americans die every single day. That's 2,200 people die every single day from cardiovascular disease. That's about one person every 40 seconds. So if you think about the way that, you know, everyone is, is up in arms with the death rate around this pandemic and this virus, 2,200 a day, that is alarming. That should be something that we should be, wow, oh my God, we need to really make sure that we're taking care of ourselves because most of these are preventable. Um, cardiovascular disease claims more lives uh, than all forms of cancer combined, which is pretty chilling when you think about it. So this is kind of just a nice awareness month to learn some new things, maybe teach friends and family or yourself, you know, that cardiovascular disease can often be prevented. Um, and basically by making healthy choices and properly managing your conditions, we can get this under control. So sharing a lot of this information, making life changes for yourself is all important because like I said, 80% of cardiovascular disease can be prevented by taking control, following healthy living steps like quitting smoking, being physically active, eating good nutritious food, maintaining a healthy weight, controlling blood pressure, cholesterol, and blood glucose levels. Okay, so those are the big things of what you wanna be making sure you're doing, I'm gonna give you even more tips about that because I'm gonna really be hitting on this the whole month of February. I've got um, you know, different topics in regards to cardiovascular disease that I'm gonna be bringing to you um, all month long, okay, to celebrate and bring awareness uh, to prevent, basically, cardiovascular disease with you, your family, your friends. So there are some risk factors uh, for people to have a cardiovascular event, um, and those things include having existing high blood pressure, um, high blood cholesterol, being a smoker. These are really the key risk factors for heart disease. So about half of Americans have at least one of those three risk factors going on in their lives already. 
So there's lots of other, you know, medical conditions and lifestyle choices, you know, that can put people at risk as well. But if you have, you know, one of those three things going on, you need to make sure you're managing it properly. Um, medication is, you know, one way of doing it, but it's not going to help the underlying reason that condition is existing. So um, the term heart disease, when you sort of think of what heart disease is, it actually refers to several types of different heart conditions. So the most common one in the US is coronary artery disease, also known as CAD. And this affects the blood flow to the heart. So decreased blood flow due to atherosclerosis, which is the buildup of the cholesterol in the vessel, and then the heart, the blood can't get to the heart, that's what causes the heart attack. Uh, but heart disease is more than just heart attacks and, and blocked arteries. There's a, there's a lot more to it. So I'm going to go over a couple of those conditions. Uh, like I just mentioned, coronary artery disease is the biggest one. That's the most common. That occurs when LDL, or the bad cholesterol, builds up plaque in your heart's arteries. In early stages, it doesn't really have a lot of symptoms, but when it gets large enough to block the blood flow, that's where people get symptoms like chest pain, shortness of breath, fatigue. Um, the chest pain is more common in men than women. You hear that a lot, that uh, for women, they don't usually carry the classic hallmark symptoms of a heart attack a lot of the time. But basically, if that plaque ruptures, a blood clot can form, it blocks the artery to the heart, um, and because it can't deliver the oxygen, some of the heart's muscle actually becomes damaged, sometimes permanently, depending on how long it was without oxygen. And this is known as a heart attack. Heart failure, so that's another you know, technical term, umbrellaed under heart disease, it's another condition. So this, your heart is a muscle, <laughs> okay? And so it contracts and it relaxes to pump blood continuously throughout the body. So if that becomes weak or stiff, if the heart valves develop problems or other you know, conditions reduce or change the heart's pumping ability, that's what's called congestive heart failure. So um, it doesn't mean that your heart has stopped working or anything like that. It just means it's not pumping enough blood to meet the body's needs, also known as low output or it's pumping at a pressure that's too high, so the fluid kind of backs up into the heart or the lungs, the ankles. So some people get this like sort of fluid congestion, um, and that's uh, where people can have this like shortness of breath, and that's one of the most common symptoms. Um, it sometimes gets misdiagnosed as asthma or a chronic cough, um, but a lot of people will notice they get this swelling in the legs or the ankles. Um, so that one is the congestive heart failure. Arrhythmia. So lots of people have, you know, these pitter-patter or um, kind of like an irregular heartbeat. So that basically is what that means. It's either your heart beats too fast, too slow, or irregularly. And there's sort of many different types of that. But one of them is um, this fibrillation, atrial fibrillation, which is a regular or rapid heartbeat. Um, sometimes it's tachycardia, which is a fast heartbeat or premature ventricular atrial contractions. Um, that one's kind of a mouthful, but these are skipped heartbeats. That's that, ba -bum, ba -bum, and then you miss one, and then it keeps going. So if you have one of those, it can lead to issues down the line, um, and that's where people can get this congestive heart failure or stroke, hypertension, um, especially if they're 75 or older. 
valvular heart disease. So there are four different valves in your heart and each one of them can develop problems. Sometimes children are born with a heart valve problem, but infections can also cause issues with those valves over time. So um, it could be aortic valve stenosis, endocarditis, mitral valve prolapse or stenosis. So that is another type of heart disease as well. Aortic aneurysms, these are very scary. I used to work in the OR, um, and this, when people had an aortic aneurysm, it was a big deal. It was a very um, scary surgery to be on the operating side of because it's very urgent. The aorta is a large blood vessel, and that carries blood from the heart to the rest of the body. So if an aortic aneurysm is basically when the aorta enlarges or develops a bulge, and this is due to inherited diseases or long-standing high blood pressure or cholesterol. So that's why those, those two are so important to make sure that are controlled. And they can basically burst, and those can be serious uh, life-threatening consequences. Heart infections. So these uh, some infections can actually directly attack your heart. Um, actually, tuberculosis is one of those. Different viruses. Um, and some other infections can inflame the sac that goes around the heart, and that's called pericarditis. Um, some viruses can attack the heart muscle, causing myocarditis. Um, and sometimes bacteria can infect the heart valves. And that's why, you know, if you have um, an implant in your body or, you know, something like that, and, and sometimes what, what will happen is... Um, if that develops, you know, bacteria or an infection around it, it can sometimes travel to the heart. Or uh, some people, if they, every time they go to the dentist, they have to take an oral antibiotic to sort of prevent uh, bacteria from getting to the heart if they have periodontal disease and things like that. Um, also, umbrella under heart disease is just heart problems at birth. These are defects, obviously not the fault of the child or the parents at all. This is just something that can be inherently, um, you know, born, genetic, things like that. So these problems can involve the valves and the vessels leading to and from the heart um, or a hole between the pairs of the heart chamber. So you hear that sometimes people say, I was born with a hole in my heart. Um, so these are all uh, problems that are at birth. So those are just some of the classic, you know, heart disease when people say that. Um, those are some of the the issues and the um, diseases that they're talking about. So let's talk about some of these risk factors. We talked about a couple of them, but what are some risk factors that increase your risk of having heart issues, heart problems, heart disease? So the main ones are being overweight or obese, physical inactivity, smoking, diabetes or prediabetes, family history of heart disease, high blood pressure, cholesterol, history of preeclampsia during pregnancy, being older than um, 55 and up for women, um, and it doesn't specify for men. This, again, is a, some of this is coming from the um, National Heart you know, Organization. Some information I do have from Dr. Mark Hyman, and some I have from Dr. Ack. So it's kind of a smorgasbord today, but... The last uh, bullet point here is having an unhealthy diet, of course, is going to be a huge contributing factor to heart health. So how can we control some of this? <laughs> um, we're going to talk about the foods 
um, that are going to be most helpful for decreasing chances of having issues with heart disease. So um, the heart, you know, what does it do? It plays a huge role in your health. It, it pumps blood throughout the whole body, supplies the tissues with important nutrients and oxygen. It works all day long, 24-7, doesn't ever take a break. Uh, it slows down, you know, at nighttime when you are not active, and it speeds up when you're more active. That's, you know, the reason you feel, you know, your heart rate go up and sweating and all these things when you're working out. Um, but what, you know, what you eat directly influences the heart of your health completely. So incorporating just even a few of these heart healthy foods is going to really make a huge difference with, um, you know, prevention. So let's get into that. Okay. Let's see. So a couple more statistics because, uh, Dr. Axe had even more than the actual uh, National Heart Association did. So this one's kind of scary. By 2030, so that's not too far off, right? It's estimated that 43% of the population will have some form of a heart disease. On average, someone has a stroke every 40 seconds and someone dies of a stroke every four minutes. Heart disease accounts for 31.5% of all deaths worldwide. Between 2000 and 2012, the use of cholesterol-lowering treatments and statins among adults increased by 10%. By, excuse me, 11% of children and adolescents 8 to 17 years old have high or borderline high blood pressure. 8 to 17. Okay, so this is, again, getting into childhood obesity, being overweight, puts more work on the heart, causes this pressure to increase. Diet has a lot to do with that as well. Stroke is the leading cause of death behind ischemic heart disease. 85.7 million, or about 34% of adults over 20, have high blood pressure. That is a lot, 34%. That's a lot. So we need 80% of this, you guys, can be reduced and eliminated just by changing your lifestyle. So we have to take responsibility for our health. We cannot rely on these medications and rely on a 15 minute, you know, wellness appointment at your doctor annually to make sure that you're healthy. You have to be doing this year round. Every single day you need to be being mindful of these choices you're making and you know, what you're doing for your own health. What, what is your responsibility? What is your role in your health? So the, t the top heart healthy foods, and I'm also going to get into detail about the benefits of these foods as well. I'm going to list them off first, and then we're going to dive into each one and what they're doing and why. So the first one, the top one is oats. Okay, number two, salmon. Number three, whole grains, and I'll get into what that means. Number four, walnuts. Number five, leafy green vegetables. Number six, avocado. And number seven, berries. Okay, so let's hit the first one. Oats, very rich in fiber, full of health benefits. Oats are an excellent addition to the cardiac diet. Um, really, really good. Has a high type of fiber known as beta-glucan. And that's a polysaccharide that's found in the cell walls of bacteria, fungi, and cereals. 
So it's uh, actually beta-glucan has been associated with a long list of heart-healthy benefits. So um, there's sort of a study here. Let's see. So this is Dr. Axe um, right from his website. 2011 analysis, for example, showed that oat consumption is associated with a 5 to 7% reduction in total and bad LDL cholesterol levels. Also, another journal looked at the results of 22 studies and found that high fiber intake was associated with a lower risk of heart disease and coronary artery disease. So, for a few heart-healthy snacks, you could add oats to your smoothie. Um, you could mix them with almond milk. You could make overnight oatmeal. You could put them on top of your yogurt. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be you just sit down and have like a bowl of oatmeal every single day because that also does have a high carb content. You want to make sure you're balancing your carbohydrates with a healthy fat and a protein. So you don't just want to eat carbs by themselves. And that's why he's saying mix them into smoothies or have, you know, sprinkle them on top of yogurt. And if you do have a bowl of oatmeal, have an egg or two with it so you're getting some protein to balance out those carbs. Salmon, one of my favorites, so full of omega-3s. You hear about omega-3s and, and how much those can have a difference on the heart health. Well, why? Why is that? Let's talk about it. So first and foremost, fatty varieties of fish like wild-caught salmon, they have a lot of good health benefits and pack a pretty good punch when it comes to heart health. So even the American Heart Association recommends getting at least two servings of fish per week to keep your heart in a healthy balance. So studies show that omega-3 fatty acids, which are essential fatty acids, you do not make those in your body, you need to consume them. Omega-3s can relieve inflammation, decrease triglyceride levels, lower blood pressure, and reduce the risk of a stroke. Highly important. Every single one of my clients is on a fish oil. Every one of them. So it's really, really important, and you want to make sure you're getting a good quality fish oil, and you want to make sure that it's the proper dose, um, because the ones that you're going to find over the counter at CVS and stuff like that, it's going to be a very, very small amount of EPA and DHA. It's not going to be enough to be the essential need of the body. Uh, in addition to omega-3 fatty acid content, salmon's also a great source of protein, so it keeps you nice and full. It's got selenium. B vitamins, uh, B12, and niacin. Okay, so really, really good um, nutrition with salmon. Whole grains. You hear that word thrown around all the time. Eat whole grains. Whole grains are healthier. So it's any type of grain that contains the endosperm, the germ, and bran, resulting in a higher concentration of nutrients and fiber, you know, Basically, in comparison to grains that have been refined, heavily processed, you know, things like that, you're, they, they basically strip it down. So when you see the words enriched, bleached flour, that's what that means is they've taken apart all the good stuff. They took it out of there, and that's how you get white bread. <laughs> so the reason why, you know, the, the thicker multigrain bread is so much better is because it contains the actual entirety, you know, of that um the whole grain, the whole grain, that's what it means. <laughs> so uh, this includes things like whole wheat, barley, rye, as well as gluten-free grains, which are the ones that I personally recommend. Uh, but gluten-free grains like amaranth, brown rice, quinoa, millet, buckwheat, sorghum, all of those are really good, healthy 
um, and oats, as we mentioned before, are all really good uh, gluten-free grains that are going to give you the same benefit. So these nutritious grains, generally high in important nutrients like fiber, B vitamins, iron, magnesium, selenium, um, so it can help with your mineral balance. And it's also been shown to, again, that when you increase the fiber, this is beneficial to the heart. Reduced risk of heart disease. So um, for best results, you want to swap out your white bread, your pasta for nutrient-rich options like quinoa or brown rice. And make sure you pair it with a heart-healthy fat, protein, veggies, the whole kit and caboodle. Walnuts. So these have always, you know, been sort of everybody's heart healthy go-to and, and when people think heart health, usually walnuts come to mind. They have a pretty impressive nutrient profile, so lots of health benefits with this one. Um, here's another journal uh, study that was done shown to reduce bad LDL cholesterol by up to 16% and also dropped blood pressure. That's a higher percentage reduction in LDL than the oats even were. Um, they may also help improve blood vessel function, decrease certain markers of inflammation, and reduce oxidative stress. So all of those tax the heart when they're increased. So these walnuts have been shown to reduce all of those things. They've also got manganese, fiber, copper, heart healthy fats, those omega-3s we just chatted about. Um, they do have a lot of calories, okay, so you want to measure them out, don't just eat them willy-nilly, uh, because like any other fat, they have a lot of calories in a very small amount, so it doesn't take much to, to get, you know, what you need, that's the nice part about it, quarter cup a day, I would say. Leafy green veggies, can't go wrong with leafy green veggies, so things like spinach, kale, collard greens, chard, these are like powerhouses of nutrition. Those are like the superfoods, very nutrient dense. So they're low in calories, but supply tons of vitamins, vitamin K, vitamin A, folate, magnesium, potassium, iron. They've got antioxidants, which help keep you young. They prevent cell damage and the development of chronic disease and cancer, anti-cancer as well. So getting your daily dose of greens can have, you know, a lot of health benefits. Um, but as far as, you know, heart disease goes, again, another study was shown that, you know, a high intake of leafy green vegetables was associated with a 16% reduction in the risk of heart disease. Okay, so... Other studies suggest that eating more leafy greens reduces your body weight, reduces the risk of lung cancer, and decreases risk of type 2 diabetes as well. So lots of really good things. Now, if you're not the type of person to be like, oh, I'm just going to like eat a salad or I'm going to, you know, uh, put these in my smoothie or do whatever, you know, kale can be really bitter. You can even find yourself like a greens powder um, and add it into your shake or, you know, whatever cereal or whatever um, and get one that has like spirulina and kale and maybe spinach and there's all kinds of like chlorella uh, all of those are really good binders for toxins and heavy metals uh, and they're a really nice way to get your greens in and they don't they're not going to be hard on your digestion so sometimes people have a difficult time digesting the leafy greens and they can't quite you know, gives them a stomach ache or, um, you know, they feel sick after they eat those. So a greens powder works just as well. 
avocado so these are a popular one you know a lot of people I, I don't know it's either you love them or you hate them I absolutely love them I think they're great um, I use them for guacamole to dip veggies in or my my gluten-free crackers I'll put it on the side of an omelet or use it you know obviously if I make like a taco salad but the fat that's in the avocado is excellent 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 for the heart so it's got a lot of other nutrients like potassium vitamin E vitamin K um, that type of thing but basically this study that I'm looking at here was in 2015 the Journal of the American Heart Association showing that including one avocado per day as a part of a moderate fat diet can help lower cholesterol levels reducing the risk of heart disease so you could also use avocado oil when you cook that also reduces inflammation and decreases triglycerides and cholesterol as well. Now one whole avocado, just like the walnuts, it's a lot of calories. So depending on if you are trying to lose weight, you may not wanna do a whole one, you may wanna try for like a half um, and eat the, the other half the next day or split it with your partner or whatever. Your kids, if they'll eat them, they go great in smoothies, can't even taste them. Um, berries. So here's our last one, berries, strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, you know, all of these are brimming with loads of antioxidants. They help fight off free radicals, prevent disease, um, they protect against metabolic syndrome, inflammation, and Alzheimer's. So this is kind of fairly new information, um, at least to me, uh, that is showing that it has this huge effect on the brain. Berries have a significant impact on the heart as well. So this study uh, was showing, uh, excuse me, 22 different studies. So 2016 review compiled the results of 22 studies with 1,251 participants, and it found that higher berry consumption led to reduction in bad LDL cholesterol levels, blood pressure, body weight, and inflammation. So there you go. Plus, berries also contain several nutrients that are essential to a heart health. Uh, including fiber, vitamin C, vitamin K. So you can have these, you can mix them into smoothies, eat them by themselves, put them on your oatmeal, put them on your yogurt, either way. So those are the top seven heart healthy foods for today. Now let's talk about the worst foods. We're, we're very concerned about this virus as we should be um, with you know the amount of, of deaths per day and people are literally to the point of obsession overlooking how many people died today, how many people contracted the virus today. How many people are looking at the results of, you know, how many people died of heart disease today, right? And it's every 40 seconds someone is, is going. And I don't mean to laugh because it's, you know, callous. I, I'm just, we can't focus on just one thing, right? It's all of it. And this is a preventable thing. So that's why we really need to get our act in, in check here. So the worst foods for the heart, refined carbohydrates are number one. So during processing, refined grains are stripped of the bran and the germ. Those are, remember we were talking about the whole grain foods, which means you eat the whole entire grain. This is saying that basically when you have a processed food, processed grain, they take those out. So it's stripped, two parts of the grain kernel that contain a wealth of nutrients. That's where a lot of the fiber is. The final product is just starch. There's no nutritional value. All you get is carbs and calories. That's it. Refined carbohydrates are in loads of foods. White bread, pasta, rice, muffins, cake, cookies, you know, any baked goods, crackers, bagels, 
This makes up a big chunk of the modern Western diet, and this is completely linked to cardiovascular disease. One study out of China uh, showed that a higher carbohydrate intake, mainly from refined grains, was associated with an increased risk of coronary artery disease among 117,366 adults. So there you go. We need to cut those out of your life if you haven't already. Sugar and soda pop. So ditching pop is probably, arguably, one of the best things you can do for your heart. This has so many controversial chemicals, unhealthy ingredients, and soda is brimming with added sugar. And if it's not added sugar in your drinking diet, then it's artificial sugar that is potentially cancerous. Sugar is one of the main culprits of heart disease. So when people get diagnosed with cholesterol issues, things like that, and they go to their doctor, the conventional medicine way of thinking is to say, oh, well, just eat less eggs and eat less fat. No, you need heart-healthy fat. The thing you need to be eating less of is carbs and sugar, you guys. So added sugars from foods like candy, dessert, juice, soda, all of these can spike your blood sugar levels and these damage the vessels. Okay, so overloading the liver basically and it amps up the risk of heart disease. So there, this is another study. So there's a study with like each food here, I like that. Interestingly, a study from Harvard School of Public Health found that participants who drink the highest amount of sugar-sweetened beverages had a 20% higher relative risk of developing coronary artery disease than those who drank the lowest amount. Sugar-sweetened beverage consumption was also associated with higher triglycerides and markers of inflammation, plus lower levels of HDL cholesterol, which is your good cholesterol. You want to have enough of that. Number three, margarine. So this is really high in trans fats. Um, these are not good. These are what cause our cells to turn crusty. Okay, so this is a type of fat that's used by food manufacturers that enhances the flavor, lengthens the shelf life, but it's at the cost of your health. So ideally, trans fats should be cut out altogether from the diet. In fact, most of them have become, uh, you know, illegal. Trans fats have become, but they have swapped the name to hydrogenated oil. And that's the same thing, but it's hidden under a different name. So... Uh, there's been studies that show the risk of coronary artery disease is doubled with each 2% increase in calories from trans fats. You want to opt for grass-fed organic butter or ghee instead of margarine. Limit other sources of trans fat as well. These are including baked goods you're going to buy at the store, cookies, donuts, biscuits, that type of thing. Make your uh, baked goods at home so you know what's in them. Even the gluten-free stuff has a lot of sugar in it. So I make all my own baked goods. Number four, processed meat. So numerous studies connecting processed meat like hot dogs, lunch meat, things like that to a slew of adverse effects on your health. So, uh, and of course, negatively affecting heart health as well. Processed meats are pumped full of additives, preservatives, things that are very harmful to your health and they contain chemicals too. Um, Nitrites, which have been linked to things like cancer. They also tend to be higher in sodium, which impacts blood pressure in those who are salt sensitive. Um, and not only that, but again, another study 
Processed meat intake is associated with a greater risk of coronary artery disease and diabetes. So we want to eliminate the processed meats. Now, you, that doesn't mean you can't eat lunch meat altogether. Um, I'd be lying if I said I didn't buy like the Applegate Naturals hot dogs every now and again to feed my toddler because I need a break from cooking constantly. Um, and I also would be lying if I said I'd never bought Applegate Naturals uncured pepperoni to make my homemade pizzas or their turkey so that I can make little roll-ups and have easy lunches, you know, now and then. So yeah, there's options out there, but you want to avoid the things like Oscar Mayer and, you know, all those brands that just have loads of chemicals and salt and preservatives in them. Salty snacks. So they sound so yummy. Potato chips, pretzels, microwave popcorn. So yummy, but serious toll on the heart. Okay, so they're also loaded with sodium, increasing blood pressure, puts extra strain on the heart, causing it to weaken. And one of the most recent dietary guidelines for Americans recommended limiting sodium intake to less than 2,300 milligrams per day. Uh, in my eyes, this should probably be lower than that. And for those with hypertension, cutting back on salt intake by eliminating foods like salty snacks from the diet can lead to significant reduction in blood pressure. So... Again, it's not that salt is bad. Um, it's that sodium that's in processed food is really, really bad for your heart. So if you get a can of condensed tomato soup and it's got a 1,000 milligrams of sodium, you know, that's the salt we need to be afraid of, right? The, the table salt, that is what we want to avoid. It's very refined. It's very processed. That's what's going to increase your blood pressure. But if you have pink Himalayan or Celtic sea salt, add those to your food. I mean, I like salt. Who doesn't? But I'm not afraid of Celtic or Himalayan sea salt for my heart, my heart, my blood pressure, my overall health. Nothing because there are more health benefits to it than there are negatives. Um, they have minerals in them. They're not processed, they're not going to cause an issue for me. Uh, and by removing all of the prepackaged processed foods from my diet, I need salt. You need sodium to do certain jobs in your body. So you've got to be eating it and getting it from somewhere, which if you're eating a whole foods diet, you usually have to add it. Okay, so um, some final thoughts here. As more and more information is uncovered and discovered about COVID-19 virus, it's becoming more apparent that people with pre-existing conditions are handling the virus much worse than people without those comorbidities. So now is the biggest wake-up call we've ever had to build our immune systems naturally, to heal with foods, to work on our stress management, to make better food choices, and to move our bodies, okay? We can't rely on, you know, government to keep us healthy. That's not what they're there for. And they're going to be going the route of more conventional and thinking more in the mindset of medications and the vaccine and the masks and all that. And whatever your opinion on that is, that's fine, but you still need to be doing the work at home in your life, okay? And that's going to decrease your risk of, of having a bigger issue if and when you do contract this virus or any virus for that matter, because your immune system relies on what your body is made of. What is your body made of? 
Is it made of cheeseburgers from McDonald's and pop and sugar and juice and candy? Or is it made up of, you know, spinach from your healthy salad and beans and fiber and fruit? Healthy protein like salmon and, and avocado. Um, you know, that, those are the things we've got to think about right now. This is how we can prevent, and that's what side we need to be on right now. I hope that this was helpful. All right, take care. Have a great day. Enjoy the sunshine. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Forum Health Podcast. Forum Health is the first nationwide network of integrative and functional medicine providers. To learn more about this topic and to find a Forum Health provider near you, visit forumhealth.com.